Hello, universe. This is Goals Podcast. I'm Les. And this is Doug. And, and we, we are genuinely out actively lifting society. society. Hey, we finally made it to the first episode. Yes, we're so excited to be here. That's right. That's right. So for the first episode, we might as well kind of give a little overview of what we got here. So yes, break what down. is goals? Tell yeah. them, babe. <laughs> yeah, let's break it down. Break down goals. And then after that, we need to uh, maybe let people know kind of about us, because I think we got some pretty captivating stories that people might want to know about, be able to relate to who they're putting through their ears Right. Every day. We're going to give them a <laughs> little bit of background on who they're listening to Sounds every good to week. Me. So without further ado, let's talk about goals, which is genuinely- out actively lifting society. Yes. As the title states, it's about lifting our society and culture. And we're going to do that through awareness, resources, our perspectives, which I think are pretty unique. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to also have a multitude of captivating interviews. Yeah, I'm really excited already. We're getting responses from people and getting interviews scheduled. So I'm really excited. Tune in. We'll be letting you know what we're doing. So what does goals mean to you? How did, how did we even come up with this whole concept? Well, we've been trying to figure out for a while now how we can just make an impact and get our right. voices heard because we recently discovered our, our voices, voices and the impact <laughs> they can have just in little conversations with people here and there where we're not even really getting in depth with them. We're just giving them little pieces and they're astonished or it's really helping yeah. them out or being impactful. So we kind of have been mulling this over for months on what what's our style? What's for us? What's what the best way for yeah, us? Yeah, I think um, what's really been interesting is over the past few years, the people that have come up to us and said how we've helped them make a difference or whatever just by being us. And I think that's kind of interesting because- you think you never you never know what you're doing until someone comes about comes up basically and says, "Hey, I appreciate you." So it's it's nice to get the roses before it's too late. <laughs> right, right. It's always interesting. You don't think about the impact you have on other people just in everyday situations, right. you know, and I've had a lot of people for years and especially as of lately telling me stuff like oh that's that's exactly what i need to hear yeah you know things like that and so for us to be able to give people a place where they can listen and hear us discuss serious topics hot topics that are in the news right now or that are important but we always have just a positive spin we put on things and we always well, not just not just news because we're not we're definitely not a news outlet, but we're I think we're going to always hit on whatever is affecting the culture. You know, if that rather that be the news or or something else that we can bring to lift society, right? You know, right. So I, I think part of it too is I've always had a a big idea mentality when it came to what I wanted a to do. A big thinker. Yeah. So yeah. I always want to do stuff on a large scale where this is like perfect because we can reach people all across the globe. Right. Just the potential so. to just reach the world. So yeah, I think that's how we kind of came up with it. And now we have goals. Yes. And, you know, goals isn't just going to be a podcast. We're going to have a full brand. But the important thing is 
outside of the podcast, we will be out actively lifting society as well. You will see Gotta us. Gotta do what it says, right? Yes. You'll see us out in the community. You'll see us at events. And, you know, you'll see us on social media. All of our stuff is connected in the links. Yeah. And I think most of it's probably going to start locally until we can do this uh, 100% full time. And then we'll take it worldwide. Who knows? Yeah. And, you know, we have no idea where it may take us. All we know is that our ultimate goal is to do anything and everything and connect with anybody and everybody we can that is wanting to help lift society or that needs help. And that's out there actually actively doing it, making a difference through their small impacts or large impacts, whatever platform they have. So, Or maybe they don't know how and maybe what something we have on the show inspires them and gives them an idea of a way that they can use their voice or use if you're not a voice person, which I very much have never been one, but... There's so many other ways you can use your voice and we can enlighten people to that as well. Yeah, so definitely. it's it's going to be a, a really awesome show, really exciting and all about positivity and reaching out to as many people as we can to spread love and peace. And positivity. Yes. <laughs> so keep coming back for more. We also need to let you guys know who you are coming to listen to. We want to be a little transparent as we can because the whole point of this is being genuine and letting people know what's going on. So um, ladies first. Yeah. So pretty much we just we want to let you guys get to know us a little bit and give you a little background about who we are. So, you know, who you're listening to every week. That's right. And that way it gives you some perspective on where our our perspectives come from and where our opinions or views may come from um, because our history makes us who we are. That's right. I think our history not only makes us who we are, but it it tells the story on how we got to where we are as people. It's important. Exactly. Well, it's in a sense our story. Yeah. Um, Each of us has our own story and we're going to start out by giving you a little bit of mine and then Dubs and then we'll give you our story together and we hope you guys enjoy it and it gives you a snippet into a little bit about us. Up until I was five, I lived with my mom, my brother and my two sisters. There was a brief period where she was married to my sister's dad, but that was a very abusive, toxic relationship and I don't even remember how long. So for me, it was basically a single mom. And we were what I honestly say is like the stereotypical poor family back in the 80s. We were on food stamps, poor, you know what I mean? Oh, y'all was broke, broke. We were broke. (laughs) Like we lived, the places we lived that I remember were like mainly trailer parks. We always lived in a trailer. Mm. And when I say trailer park, I'm not talking like vacation campground trailer parks. I'm talking about small town kind of rundown trailer parks Okay, where people literally live. We had a landfill in one of our trailer parks. Okay. Like that. Or like I remember living out in the country one time, but we moved a lot. We were poor. We lived in a motel one time when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't remember my mom really working real jobs. I don't remember a lot. But basically a single mom situation ended up being where the county stepped in and determined that she needed some assistance and placed us all in foster care. Oh, wow. So how was that? It was what you would expect, I guess. Traumatizing. They always put my brother and I together because we were close in age and then my two sisters together because they were close in age. So my brother 
brother and I, the first foster home we went to, I remember we weren't there very long. And I, the only things I remember was a little girl cut the tip of her finger off. So, what? yeah. So forever, <laughs> you already know when our kids were babies, real little. I I'm that. so paranoid about scissors around little kids yeah, because. You used to freak out even with like little kids' scissors. Yes. To this day, <laughs> that traumatizes me. And then I, the thing I remember is that when we would get in trouble, per se, I don't know how much trouble we could get in at like five years old, but they would drag us by our ear, the tip of our ear up the stairs oh or God. around. That's crazy. Yeah. So we weren't, we didn't end up being there very long. And then we went to our second foster home and that was like our final foster home. We were there for four years. It was one of those situations where I, I guess our mom had a case plan to work Things didn't go how they were supposed to, and rights were terminated, and we were placed for adoption. Oh, wow. How were you when you adopted then? Well, so the second foster home, I was there from when I was six till I was 10. Okay. So I was adopted when I was 10. I was put up for adoption. If I remember right, I want to say around seven or eight. Oh, my- so she, it was pretty pretty quick or i don't know how well i don't know how much works, time they get i yeah. i know through our experience as foster parents these days there's certain a lot faster yeah uh-huh. there's certain time frames back then i don't know the time frames to work case plans or anything like that so i don't know the exact age we we're put up for adoption from what i know from when i was six till ten my brother and i were in one foster home my sisters and i were in another foster home at some point rights were terminated we were put up for adoption oh all four Yes, all four of us. My sisters were adopted right away, of course, by their foster parents. Um, However, my brother and I were put up for adoption. The plan was never for our foster parents to adopt us. We were in a different situation. Because we were older, it took, from what I understand, it took a long time for them to find us a home to take older kids. Yeah, well, I guess when you're older kids, unfortunately, you sit a little longer before anybody wants to say, hey, we'll, we'll take these two. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's really a sad situation in the foster care system where people want babies. Um, They want babies not only because they're cute and cuddly and everything else, but they feel like they have less issues. No baggage. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't had, you got to think, by the time I was placed in foster care at six years old, the trauma that I had experienced and then the trauma of foster care by the time I'm well, by eight, what, you're already setting who you are, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So it's like th- nobody wants kids <laughs> that yeah. that are that old, basically, and already are kind of set in, in their who they are. So if you're listening to this out there and you want some kids, man, go try and help get some kids that are a little older because they obviously are sitting in these foster homes waiting for adoption. They need it. They do. There's a lot, a lot of kids out there right now and... Uh, Always. There's always always tons and tons of kids that are, I mean, there's little kids, but there's also so many teenagers that get forgotten about and they all need love. Yep. They ended up, they unfortunately end up, what's the word? Isn't it like aging out of the system? Yeah. They age out of the system. Exactly. Thank you. I lost my word. They age out of the system and then they're forgotten about and they're just left to, you know, they've never had a real home, a real, you know, family, nothing. And they're expected to go out and 18, here you go. We can't help you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So 
Definitely think about that. Yeah, that's kind of part of my story there. Luckily, I was one of the, in a sense, success stories because we were eventually adopted. Like I said, when I was 10, my brother was 12. You know, that was really great at the beginning. Uh, I was a perfect kid. I really was. Um, I was a straight-A kid, liked to cook and clean and, you know, do everything to to please my new family. Life was a dream. Yeah, yeah. It was super exciting until I was, I think, about 13. So what happened when you hit those teenage, dreaded teenage 13 <laughs> years? Right. Pretty much the end of my adolescence. Right. <laughs> and I, for me, looking back now, I understand. And what it was, it was me acting out and me rebelling due to not knowing how to handle abandonment issues. You have to understand kids who have been in foster care or adopted, they go through these serious abandonment issues um, that we'll get into on a totally another episode. But a lot of times, in, in my instance, it ended up with me rebelling bad. I broke the law. I did not do what I needed to do in school. I did eventually graduate and go on to college. But I just, I acted out. I, I was not respectful of my parents and I had given up on myself. I just had this attitude. Nobody else cares about me. Nobody loves me. I don't care about myself. I'm going to do whatever. Who cares? Yeah, that I don't give up. Yep, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's really sad. It hit me very young. So I did a lot of stuff young and dumb and grew up and matured through it. But um, yeah, I was I was so naughty that on my 16th birthday, I was in lockup. I spent 100 Ooh. days. Yep. Yep. I spent 100 days locked up. That is one thing. That experience definitely taught me that I ain't losing my freedom for nobody or nothing. Unless, of course, it's my family, my children. Otherwise, mm -mm, I'm not going to jail for nothing. And I have not been back. <laughs> but... It was a learning experience that opened my eyes, but I still had a lot of maturing and stuff to do. I still was not the best kid. I wasn't breaking the law anymore, but I wasn't great. So due to that, I wasn't allowed to get my license, things like that. I still had a lot of turmoil with my adoptive parents. So you just gave them a headache. Yeah, yeah, I, looking back and especially after us being foster parents to teenagers, um, and going through a little bit of that experience and now raising our own teenagers, thinking about what I put my parents through, I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say that much because, yeah, I, I don't want to say the word bad, that I was bad, because I don't like that word. We like positivity, but I definitely put you guys through the ringer. Luckily, today, I can learn from it and grow from it, and that's go. what matters. So you ended up doing 100 days and got out, and then what? Then, overall, I was pretty good. I still had a pretty up-and-down relationship with my parents. Um, okay. There was a lot of history there. Um, so well, that, I, could, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that relationship was up-and-down for sure. But I made it, you know, through high school. And then when I hit 18, it was actually the end of my junior year of high school, I turned 18. And that summer, I decided I wanted to go live with my biological mom. Over the summer? Yeah. So you were able to get back in contact? contact with her again? Yeah. So after my junior year that summer, I turned 18. I went to live with my biological mom and I decided I wanted to get to know my two brothers and my dad that I had 
down. So you had two other brothers besides the four that you yeah. guys were? Okay. Yeah. So my dad has two kids, <laughs> my two brothers. So I decided I wanted to get to know them. And my grandma, I had remembered briefly meeting all of them when I was a kid. Don't remember much about it, but I remember briefly meeting them. So I decided I wanted to get to know them again. So I got in contact with them, spent the whole summer hanging out with my brothers, got to know my grandma, went to see my dad. He was in rehab at the time. So we had, you know, a brief visit or whatever at the rehab. I was very appreciative and thankful for it because he was honest with me at the time because I just straight up asked him like what happened with us and why, you know, where was he or why why he wasn't, wasn't yeah, why it. wasn't he there to the point that I had to be adopted, you know? Right. That means they had to terminate his rights too. Okay. So I just asked him and he was straight up with me and told me that my brother's mom got pregnant with him and he chose my brother at the time because she got pregnant. I think I was like two months old when she got pregnant because we're only about 10 months apart. Oh, so, wow. so, but that you appreciated that. Well, I appreciated his honesty and I'll, I'll always have respect for him for that. Okay, gotcha. You know, I tried to build a relationship with him. However, the end of the summer, actually, I remember it was the end of the summer and he had gotten out of rehab and something happened where I guess he had to go to court or something from what I remember. All I remember is he had called me and he was in jail. Okay. And he had told me something about he got out of the rehab and had to go to court the next morning and they smelled alcohol on him or something like that. So they had thrown him in jail. And so he's calling me from jail. And I basically let him have it. I told him, I already have a dad. I don't need you in my life. Wow. Yeah, because I was really hurt and disappointed to find out that he was in jail after rehab. Like right away, like rehab to jail. Yeah, exactly. And I, so, and I was, I mean, I was 18. Kid, you were rebellious. Yeah. I already had some things going on, right? So I, I told him that at the end of that summer, shortly after that phone call, actually, I ended up moving back in with my adoptive parents. I wanted to finish out my senior year um, back at home with them. And I had seen enough and experienced enough that that wasn't. So things just didn't work out down in. With yeah. your biological mom? Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was I was ready to go back and move on. So I did, and I finished out my senior year. Towards the end of my senior year, I ended up getting engaged and moving out. I was 18 years old, hadn't quite hadn't graduated. graduated yet. Nope, hadn't graduated high school yet, but I decided to get engaged and move out. Very shortly after moving out and getting engaged, still my senior year, I woke up one morning to a phone call that my dad had passed away, had died. Oh, no. This yeah. is the My biological dad. dad. The one I had just... Let have it, huh? Yeah, a few months prior. He had gotten out of jail or rehab or wherever at the time and ended up dying of a narcotic overdose at 37 years old. Oh, wow. Yep. So I spent my 19th birthday at his funeral. Okay. And then I graduated high school. On your birthday? Yeah. Yep. 19th birthday. And then I graduated high school. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot going on. Yeah. So my 18 year was pretty wild. And actually, the next couple years were pretty wild, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so after graduation, I'm now living with my fiance and he lives with his mom and siblings. So you guys are all just housing it in there. Yeah, yeah. So I decide both of us are getting jobs. I graduated, yada, yada. We get an apartment, get a place together. His younger brother ends up coming to live with us. 
and everything's great, right? At 19. <laughs> yeah, just turned 19. And then one day, I don't know what led up to it or all the backstory. That's another story for another time. But there ended up being a domestic situation with my fiance and the police were involved. He moved out and there was a whole restraining order situation, all of that. So after the domestic situation, I ended up losing my job within several months, ended up being pregnant and then losing my apartment and so by then you're broke up with your fiance pregnant and you have no home yep so pretty much by the time i was 20 i was pregnant had been evicted ended Engaged. up yeah, that was all while I was ni- just 19. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So then when I was 20, I ended up pregnant and homeless, legit homeless. I stayed in a couple shelters, ended up having, after staying in the shelters, the county program that I got set up with ended up putting me in a house where I paid rent. Like I rented a room and we shared the kitchen and the bathroom and everything. So it was like an efficiency thing or something? Yeah, sort of. Like shared housing? Sort of, but definitely like a a low income thing in the in the hood, and that is where I met Dub. We met. I guess it's my turn to tell you a little bit about me. Yeah, who's Dub? <laughs> Nobody really knows my story besides Juice. He was the only one that's kind of like right there, and me, of course. Yeah, well, of course, yeah, you know. But so. yeah, very few, very few. <laughs> So, well, before I start, let me just put it out there that I had a great childhood in my perspective. It was enjoyable to me. I had fun. I didn't know (laughs) a big part of it that we were broke a lot of the times because of the way I was raised and I had uh, a lot going on. So didn't feel like you never know. When you're a kid, you know, because you you that you know you don't care about economics or none of that stuff. So well, it was your normal. It was my normal. So whatever, so it was you know. Cool. What but you uh, yeah, I had two parents. They were never married. I don't ever remember them being together, but they were both in my life. My me and my mom. That was like my dog. So I guess I was the mama's boy, yeah. as they like to say. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, me and my mom was cool. And my dad, he uh, by the time I can remember, he had gone to college. And in the hood back in the day, when you go to college, you was off in jail. <laughs> so yeah. when um a lot of my memories in my early days was, you know, going to the holidays and stuff like that. And so miraculously, my dad had gifts there for me, but he was off in college. And so when I would go see him, it was bars and guards and all that. So I was trying to just figure out what is college and why do they got bars? If this is it. It is not for me. Right. (laughs) You know, not where I want to go. So it was cool because I got to know my whole dad's side of the family and he was the only boy in his family Mm. and everybody else who had kids, they had girls and I was the only and the very first grandson. So I was the golden boy. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so I got a little spoiled uh, by that side. You know, my uh, mom's side, we had cousins and family on both sides. But on my mom's side, there were a bunch of boys. So we all got to hang out and kick it and have fun together. We were all around the same age. So that that's how my upbringing was. And I uh, about six or seven years old, that's when I started getting into sports. And that was kind of like my escape from well, everything that was going on in my life was fun, was Going and doing sports. I was uh, I was going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> I was going to be the black Wayne Gretzky. 
<laughs> I was into hockey big time. So, you know, I was, I did that for a number of years until my cousin got me into football. But during those years, it, the reason it was an escape for me is because even though my mom, she was, she was the cool, she was, she was my dog. She uh, ended up, you know, getting hit by the crack epidemic and getting hooked on drugs. And she was what we considered a, a, a functioning addict. Where she High had, functioning addict. Yeah. Oh, high Highly functioning. functioning. Yeah. So yes. she went to work every day, but she would be getting, she, you know, she, unfortunately it was an issue. And there were times where she was gone for days at a time, didn't know where she was at and stuff like that. But she uh, miraculously always had a, a decent job and was doing her thing. So, so it didn't really affect you as far as you were always provided for. Yeah. But you know, you, when your mom's gone and you just don't know where she's at or anything like that. Right. The emotional yeah. so effects get, are totally another story. Yeah. That's, that's totally different. And yeah. then by the time, I mean, by the time I was seven, eight, you kind of know you're with it, you know, mm -hmm. especially when you're living in that life because you are growing a lot faster than what most people do. So, right. You have to mature a lot faster because you're responsible for a lot more. Yeah. And so I, by the time I was even in kindergarten, she had started dating this dude who was very, very abusive, physically, mentally abusive, just all around bad case. And luckily for me, he never put his hands on me, but- that's why I said I had to escape for sports because got to get out of the house and deal with not have to deal with the turmoil of all that. I don't know. At some point she ended up there was there was two guys that she just like really cared for. And I remember one time the her main boyfriend who ended up being her husband mm. was at the house and he came knocking at the door and he pulled the gun out and shot the door. What? Yeah. So dude ran out in front of the building losing his townhomes. Right off of Selby and St. Albans, you know, right. If if y'all know anything about Minneapolis, I, that's that's the spot. I was right. I went to Webster right across, you know, a few blocks away. But yeah, we live right there in these townhomes and they're pretty fancy at the time. Runs out the building, got a big old gun smoke print on his mm -hmm. forehead because the door was made a, a thick metal. So it didn't go through the door, but he got hit in the head with something and had this big smoke spot on his head. And he's, who do you love? Oh my God. <laughs> and this mink coat. And that's who she married? No, that's the, oh, that's that's the, the other, other dude. Oh. <laughs> wow. So she yells out the window, you. Oh, oh my, my God. What'd you do that for? That was probably one of the worst arguments I ever saw. Oh at such a young age. That was terrifying because, I mean, I, I don't even think I was in school at that point. And mm. she ended up marrying the guy that was in the house, not the one who was- That the argument was with? Yeah. Wow. And so I saw a lot of uh, violence in my house mm. growing up. And my mom was not one to back down from a fight. She was a G. So she was like, oh, you want to go a couple rounds? Right. <laughs> right. So blows, huh? yeah, so I saw I saw a lot of uh, anger and violence and just hatred and then drugs. So that was kind of my life growing up. By the time I was about nine, nine, nine to ten, they were married, and I had a sister. So I got I got a cool sister out of it that you know I was able to have and kind of care for. But what was crazy is because my mom was kind of doing her thing with the drugs and stuff like that, and dude. He couldn't even cook. I mean, he mm. he, he burnt water. Oh my god! <laughs> Straight. So at a very young age, I learned how to cook. I was taking care of a kid, and then there were times where my mom was like, "Oh, I gotta get clean. I'm trying to get get you know take care of stuff." So all of a sudden, now I'm not the kid anymore. I'm here trying to be a support figure and help my mom get back on track with what she got to do: go to school, play sports, help take care of a kid. And then if she goes off on a bender, uh, I might not go to school because I got to take care of a baby. Right. You know what I'm saying? How so, are you gonna be the kid and the parent? Yeah. And, yeah. 
every 15 minutes, let me hear a car go by the window. I'm looking out the window like, is that mom? Is mom back? Mm. You know? So it was, it was interesting growing up in that type of environment. But like I said, I was spoiled. I mean, I had, I mean, holidays, the tree was stacked. You know, my birthdays were always fun. I still had kids stuff to do, but it was different because it was like I was an old soul. I was doing all this stuff that normal kids didn't have to deal with. It was just an interesting dynamic that we had. And then so my mom ended up having to uh, go to rehab because she really wanted to get herself together. And what ended up happening was it was a girl's place where you could only have women there. And, oh, like a women's facility. Yeah. And so it was she was really trying to put in the work. And at that time, my dad had gotten out. He had a job. He was on probation and had his own place. Mm-hmm. So I'm about 12 at the time, ended up moving in with my dad just as I'm about to hit junior high, thinking, oh, okay, cool. I, I can go stay with pops and learn how to be a man. You right. know, I've been taking care, being a caregiver and when I'll be a woman, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm about to go kick it. I'm about to learn about guy stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's going to be dudes. We're going to be, we're going to be boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad worked three to 11. So I didn't see him much in the evening after school when I ended up starting school. And he was like militant, had to have the sheets lined up a certain way. Oh, that's had where to you have get my, it. <laughs> had to have the whole house spotless. So hmm. I, if I got home, my job, because I, you know, I tried to do good in school and stuff like that. That was, that was my escape. So I, I stayed doing my homework. I stayed trying to do decent in school. And when I got home, I would cook my own meals. I had to make sure all the dishes were done, washed. And we didn't have a dishwasher. We had the like 1950 style fridge. Like if there was an atomic bomb, you used to jump mm-hmm. in. <laughs> so I had to, I mean, it was a small house and I, I kept everything clean, kept it pristine. And if one thing was out of order when he got home, it was, it was a wrap. So I always made sure that stuff was done, but so you were still pretty much being an adult. Yeah, because I mean, he worked three to 11. Right. So I was in school till three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. And so we saw each other on the weekends. And when he got home, if he decided to wake me up out of dead asleep because I didn't get something done, I saw mm. him then. Or my dad thought he was the pimp and player and all this. So the one thing that just like was crazy as a kid was being woken up to noises from the other room. Oh, you're going there. And and yeah, he used to try to tell me about being a man and everything like that. And I was not ready for that. <laughs> so, you know, it was a very interesting dynamic. Love my dad. He taught me a lot. By the time I was in eighth grade, he had gone back to jail. And so I ended up moving back in with my mom for a little bit. Stuff was a little crazy and hectic still. So I was about 15-ish. And for a few months, I ended up going to stay with my aunt. And that was like going from just a crazy experience, you know, always having to take care of my sister and stuff like that to going with my dad and then going back home with mom where the situation obviously hadn't really changed much because she was always on and off of drugs. Still had the abuse going on and everything like that. But- but basically, since like eight, nine years old, you've been grown. Yeah. And this and is now what you're I know. going to live with your aunt. Now I'm going to live with my aunt. She had, uh, she was married to a guy and he had, I don't know, four or five kids mm. all in one room they slept. And they had, it was like a two bedroom house, but she was, it was like going to prison. <laughs> And then having a bully as the guard that always wanted to Mm -hmm. walk around with you because she would try to literally put her foot on your neck. You know, no pun intended is the climate we're in, but she was, it was rough. And Mm. I mean, if I had a dirty dish, she'd pull every dish out the cupboard and make me wash every dish by hand. She would talk down to you just really bad and just try to break your spirit. So I was angry for about a good 
six, eight months to a yeah, almost a year. I mean, I had a, a girlfriend at the time and she would just talk down to her so bad, make her feel like she was just the dog dirt. <laughs> I know a little something about that. Yeah. You know, you, you felt that before. And I just, uh, I didn't like the wrath of that. So I ended up going back to my mom's house, stayed there. Everybody would try to disown me because I didn't want to stay with my aunt. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, y'all, y'all ain't putting me through the ringer with all that <laughs> drama. I don't need that in my life. I was stubborn. I was, I was bullheaded. You couldn't tell me nothing. That was the thing too. When you grow up uh, before you're supposed to, nobody can try to tell you anything about yourself. So I uh, was, I was the hot headed kid. I get that from my dad. And I was like, you, you try me, we're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. So I was a little crazy. Staying back with my mom, we ended up on the east side, still went to the same high school. I never changed schools, which was cool. But we ended up living on the east side and I was about 17. East side of St. Paul now? Yeah, yeah okay. East St. Paul. So staying there, loved it because my room, we stayed in this townhouse, right? It was two levels. My whole house was upstairs, but you it was long. So you go all the way to the back and you go out the back door and then you open the door and there's my room, almost like a little efficiency. And there were steps that led down to a back door. Dang. So so anytime I wanted, I had little friends coming up mm-hmm. and we would kick it after I went to bed, air quotes, you know. <laughs> so it was cool. I, you know, it was I wasn't doing nothing stupid, but I was a 17 year old boy. You know, it was what it was. And my mom ended up getting back into drugs and it was like, ah, we're doing this cycle again. Mm. And so my dad was out of jail again. And he was like, hey, why don't you just come to the house, whatever, you know, get away for a minute. And I was so frustrated with my mom. I remember she was in like a pink jumpsuit, sweatsuit, you know. So I left with my dad and she's like, hey, love you, Dub. And as I went down the stairs, I just looked at her and was just so disappointed. When was this? I was about 17, you know, summertime before senior year. Oh, so I went back to my dad's house over north, stayed the night over there and went to football practice from there. I had a car because uh, when I turned 16, I was able to get my license, mm. unlike you, you know. Whatever. <laughs> and being the spoiled little brat I was, my pops had bought me a vehicle. So I uh, drove over to football practice and I remember the police coming to football practice and they asking for me. And I'm like, I had gone to jail like six months earlier. And the only reason I had is because my cousin used my name mm. to go and do some shoplifting, didn't go to court and there was a warrant. So I spent a holiday weekend because we I went in on a Friday and the Monday was a holiday. Right, you're not getting you know, you, you ain't you're going not to court. judge nothing. till Tuesday. And so I ended up going to jail. So I'm like, man, now nah, what did my cousin do? Right. You're thinking <laughs> you're in trouble again. Yeah. And what ended up happening was my mom was there with my sister. Um, she had some guy that she was getting high with. I had gotten in a car accident and they were expecting my insurance check. And he thought he was going to smoke up my insurance check for my car. Mm. Um, the check didn't come. So he ended up grabbing a knife out the kitchen, stabbed my mom to death over 200 some times. My sister was seven or eight at the time and he stabbed her over a hundred some times. She ended up playing dead to uh, get him to stop stabbing her, which at that young of an age, I don't even know how you do that as a kid. So he uh, leaves out the back door. She bloody is all crazy, runs downstairs to the neighbor, tells the neighbor that she needs help, comes to find out my mom's dead. And then I see the news taking her out on the stretcher that day. So what happened when, take me back to that experience being on the football field and- So yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm out. We, it was preseason, so it was August. You know, we were just doing our practice. Like when the cops showed up, did they just like they uh, said, "Hey, tell you, gotta, you right there on the football field"? No, or? no. They say, "Hey, you got to come with us." My coach calls me over and says, "Hey, you got to go with them." They say, "Yeah, I, you know, I got to go with y'all." 
So you're so still thinking, thinking you're in trouble. Yeah, and I'm on a, and they put me in the back seat of the squad car, and they don't tell me nothing. At least they didn't handcuff me, but they don't tell me nothing. They drive me over to the precinct, sit me in a room, mm. and I'm sitting in the room for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? Because I'm not down at the juvie center that I normally am, and I'm like, what's popping? You know, right. I guess they're. It's called a chaplain or something. And the main lead investigator yeah, come yeah. in and they're like, yeah, so um, we're sad to tell you. Nobody's there with me at this time either. Mm. And they're telling me, uh, yeah, we're, we're sad to tell you, but uh, your mom and your sister were stabbed. Your sister's uh, in uh, emergency. Critical. She, she was in critical conditions, but she was they were doing surgery on her at the time because mm. she was stabbed so many freaking times. Yeah. And they said, we're not sure if your mom's going to make it. Mm. Well, they didn't tell me she was actually dead at the time. Oh. So, you know, this I'm like, all right, so well, uh, it's my mom. My mom's gonna pull through. You know, you don't you ain't thinking mortality at 17 years old. Right, right. So about 20 minutes goes by and my Aunt Linda comes in crying, bawling. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Basically, she tells me that, yeah, my mom died. Mm. And so I'm in shock at this point. You know, I don't I'm not I'm not, right. you know, you're not feeling nothing. And they go through everything. I don't know if it was the same day. So this is what was weird. I don't know. I I think it was the same day and the same time. And they're like, because I didn't believe it, but they're like, do you guys want to see the autopsy photos? Why you want to ask? Why would you even ask a 17-year-old right. kid that? You know what I'm saying? And mm. I and I don't know if it was because they needed me to identify her or but then my mom was there. Why wouldn't they have an adult do it? I'm only 17. Yeah. And so they showed me the pictures of my mom mm. on the slab, gone. Oh. That was traumatic. So those were like the images I had in my head for a long time. Mm. You know, you're not and then on top of it, that day I had left the night before and mom said, was like, oh, I love you. I just didn't say anything. So for me, that was that was a real struggle because for years I, I dealt with battling um, of not saying I love you back to my mom. Yeah, yeah. I still ended up graduating high school, ended up getting recruited for football. I remember that summer I was working out. I was, I was going to go to school and I, all I can remember was my sister's going to be with her dad. The one dude that... So here's what's crazy. I don't know if my mom knew something was ever going to happen to her, but she's like, if anything ever happens to me, don't let your sister go with her dad. Wow. And so I was, now I'm faced with being 18, going to school away from the one little person I took care of all my life. Right. After she just had this traumatic experience, her pinky didn't even work. She didn't have all the feeling in her pinky or nerves. So they did several surgeries on her hand. She ended up living, you know, obviously. Right. She survived. She's still with us today. Thank You know, thankfully. But it was... It was a it was a rough road for her psychologically, and then dealing with a verbally, physically abusive father, mm-hmm. who and she looks just like my mom, so kind of freaky, you know. Yeah. And so I'm like, dang, I'm supposed to go to school now. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, nah, I gotta figure something out for being able to take care of my sister, even though I wasn't there taking care of her as her parent. I had to be close, right? You had to be able to still be there and be go a- get her. Yeah, a support system right? and be it's like, close. Well, I raised her. Well, and you both you know? lost your mother. Yep. So it was like, there's this crazy connection. And so I ended up not going to school and I was like, I got to do something. And I had always been doing poetry, so I got into music. So for a couple of years, I did awful because, <laughs> you know, everybody wants to be a rap star that, and when they first start off, it's just disgusting. <laughs> I, I'd be so embarrassed to even tell people about the type of music I was making and how awful it was. And I didn't even know, I was trying to make what was popular instead of making what was something for who I was as a person. So, right. Well, and you were yeah. still going- Still young. Well, yeah. at that age and what you went through at such a young age, 
um, you can't even imagine what you're going through emotionally, mentally, yeah, maturing yeah. wise, everything over those few years. So yeah, I, I tried. I tried to do some music and realized that I didn't really want to work for other people. So I ended up trying to get jobs that were like sales, where no one else was going to control how much money I was going to make. I was going to be able to do what I wanted. And so I ended up getting into to, to lending later on in life, but that's for another another time. But yeah, I went through that that and just trying to figure out life, doing music and working low odd and in jobs, and uh, moved back in with my dad over north north Minneapolis with my grandma, where she's lived for like I don't know twenty plus years. So that was the spot. I was just uh, sitting on the stoop one day trying to write up some music, and overcame this little boppity girl. Like, what's up? I don't know about boppity, but that was me. <laughs> Yeah, so that's our story. That's that's how we met. That was the beginning of a crazy time of us once yeah. once we met. So, and we're gonna get into that in our next episode. So you guys have to stay tuned and check that out. So I think we'll leave it here and we'll save the juice for how everything started going different and what we did as life together. Yeah, and now hopefully you guys have a little bit better understanding of who we are and where we're coming from. You'll learn a lot more details about us throughout, you know, our episodes and different topics and things like that, but this gives you an introduction and stay tuned, subscribe. That's right. Subscribe. Make sure you hit that button for uh, leaving us some feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. And we're going to get into our story on the next episode. See you soon.